1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com.
0: That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hello, and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Alan Scott. Just how diverse are the galaxies far, far away? Diversity in the Star Wars franchise has long been a source of conversation in the fan community and even among academics. Variety reported in 2017 of a new software from USC engineer Sheree Narayanan that analyzed dialogue in scripts. When it came to Star Wars, the data showed that Star Wars A New Hope, the first film in the franchise that was released in 1977, all of the dialogue in the film was spoken by white actors and most of that was from male actors. That didn't change until Billy Dee Williams' character Lando was introduced in 1980's The Empire Strikes Back. The newer batch of films in the franchise has improved significantly, with 40% of the dialogue in 2015's The Force Awakens being spoken by non-white actors, and 28% being spoken by female actors. But even those improvements haven't stopped elements of racism and sexism within the franchise, particularly among some fans and critics. Like this comment from Joe Rogan on his podcast, where he was comparing Sigourney Weaver in Alien to Carrie Fisher and Laura Dern in the newer Star Wars films. This movie had a female lead, who's a female superstar, who, uh, spoiler alert, winds up winning in the end. But you don't even notice. No. It never feels like it's crammed down your throat. Whereas the last Star Wars, I was like, get the out of here, Laura Dern. You're not running the empire. Like, get <laughs> yeah. out of here. You're like, what is this? Like, she's the head general, and then Carrie Fisher's the other head general, and they're telling these men to shut up, and this all makes sense to you? I'm not entirely sure I get what Joe Rogan is saying, which, I mean, I have to admit, that happens often. Um, but is he saying that Sigourney Weaver, who is tall and a classic beauty, She's good. She's okay to give orders to men. But if a woman giving orders who, I don't know, shockingly, dares to not be conventionally beautiful like Laura Dern or Carrie Fisher, who I think are beautiful, that's somehow bad? I don't, I'm very confused. But like I said, that's typical with Joe Rogan. Anyway, actress Kelly Marie Tran spoke about the racist and sexist comments she received after appearing in 2017's Star Wars The Last Jedi, telling the Hollywood reporter, If someone doesn't understand me or my experience, it shouldn't be my place to have to internalize their misogyny or racism or all of the above. Maybe they just don't have the imagination to understand that there are different types of people living in this world. Trans co-star in the film, John Boyega, who played Finn and was the subject of his own bullying and racist attacks after making his Star Wars debut, tweeted in her defense, If you don't like Star Wars or the characters, understand that there are decision makers and harassing the actors or actresses will do nothing. You are not entitled to politeness when your approach is rude, even if you paid for a ticket. Earlier this year, the racist online bullying of Moses Ingram after making her debut in the Disney Plus series Obi-Wan Kenobi was so intense that Disney was forced to respond, saying in a statement, we are proud to welcome Moses Ingram into the Star Wars family, and excited to have Riva's story to unfold. If anyone intends to make her feel in any way unwelcome, we have only one thing to say: we resist. There are more than 20 million sentient species in the Star Wars galaxy. Don't choose to be racist. Ewan McGregor, who played Obi-Wan in that series, posted this to Instagram. It seems that
2: some of the fan base from this influential fan base. I've decided to attack Moses Ingram online and send her the most horrendous racist DMs. And I heard some of them this morning and it just broke my heart. Moses is a brilliant actor. She's a brilliant woman. And she's absolutely amazing in this series. She brings so much to the series. She brings so much to the franchise. And it just sickened me to my stomach to hear that this had been happening. I just want to say as the leading actor in the series as the executive producer on the series, that we stand with Moses, we love Moses. And if you're sending her bullying messages, you're no Star Wars fan in my mind. There's no place for racism in this world. And uh, I totally stand with Moses.
1: So how is Disney responding to all of this? Doing exactly what I feel they should be doing, casting diverse actors in their films and TV shows offering audiences of all backgrounds and types to see themselves represented in a franchise that, as Diego Luna told me on today's episode of The Parting Shot, stretches back over generations for everybody, male, female, gay, straight, and yes, even black, white, and brown people. Luna's new series, Andor, is the perfect culmination in this endeavor, showing that not only can a Mexican actor lead a Star Wars project, but that his background and, as Luna says, even his accent, can be a force for telling deeper and more authentic stories that only make you feel the force even more. See what I did there? So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back with Diego Luna from the new Disney Plus series, Andor, right after this break.
0: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
2: Spies. saboteurs, Assassins. we have all done terrible things on behalf of the Rebellion. Cassian Ander, no matter what you tell me or tell yourself, you'll ultimately die fighting these bastards. Wouldn't you rather give it all at once to something real? We've chosen a side. We're fighting against the dark. There is an organized rebel effort. Drill down and get a hunt started. You realize what you've set in motion? People will suffer.
0: Time has come to force our hand. At what cost? Everything!
2: Every day we wait, they get stronger let's take them by surprise for the greater good call it what you will let's call it war people are standing up they're afraid right now they're afraid
1: how do you i guess my first question is i I, it's like star wars is insane how do you did you ever think that you would be a part of a star wars franchise
2: No, never. I mean, I didn't even think about it, you know. Uh, It was like I I was okay being a fan. That was it. Uh, (laughs) I grew up doing theater in Mexico. Then I started doing uh, cinema and TV. Um, It wasn't until I was 20 years old that I actually started to travel with my work, you know. Before, for me, it was something I was doing here. I was really happy working at the a national Theatre Company here, and uh, and doing stuff I loved, and and working with amazing people, mm-hmm. I was okay with that. And then Itumama también came, and things started to change. Yeah, and I started traveling a lot, and I was getting very specific. Someone like me, you know, I mean, it felt like special because there was a chance to, to participate in in projects not just in the states, but in Europe, uh, and uh, and in Latin America, but always stop like yeah where where it sounded like you know it sounded perfect yeah uh, for me to play it like somewhere i would feel comfortable and and it would make complete sense in terms of context accent everything uh and and they did i don't know like back then there wasn't I don't know. I I didn't think there was room for that in Star Wars. No, many other projects that I I, I liked as as audience, but I, Mm -hmm. I, I'm not that kind of person that sits down wanting to be somewhere else, you know, or, or, or having like the journey of someone else. Uh, I, I hate when they, they do that you know when they yeah. go like well this is this guy is like this guy mixed with this other guy and you're like no that's not that that is impossible you know and then, i mean not even today when you're trying to have kids you can't control it that way it's impossible people are yeah. unique
1: yeah period exactly. you know? well that's something so, that's special I think, um, about about star wars is that i mean one of the things that i've always kind of liked about star wars but also sometimes made fun of is that Everyone's on these weird planets, but yet somehow they have like British accents and American accents, and <laughs> like everyone has different accents. And what's so great about it is, it's it's kind of accepting of all accents because everyone is kind of welcome. And for you to be who you are and to represent who you do, that must feel really special within the Star Wars franchise because there isn't a lot of that. There is not. I I think I think
2: you know one thing. You you can't say. Star Wars, as if it was one thing, yeah. because it's been evolving, transforming through mm-hmm. through these decades. You know, now Star Wars, I mean, speaks to an audience the age of my father and my son. You know, it's it's that it's huge. Uh, uh, therefore, it, it's been transforming, and I think it's always making comments on. On, on its on its time, you know. Mm-hmm. If you revisit those first films of the seventies and eighties, it's like you you can tell they're making a comment on on that world, and and now from afar, it looks very political and social driven. You know, mm-hmm. even though it's always like Star Wars and what yeah. Star Wars brings. Yeah, of course. Uh, at the same time it can it can it can make a comment and and i believe the star wars that i i joined is making a comment on the world we're living you know Mm -hmm. where things are changing the perspective storytelling is changing and uh and also i mean even though it happens in a galaxy far far away at the end we end up reflecting on the world we live in and uh and this world we live in, is like full of this mixture and, and diversity and, uh, and complexity at the same time, you know? So why not, uh, making it part of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, so where does, I mean, of course there's a lot unknown cause no one has seen it no one can see it. And I'm really eager to see it. Where, where does Andor take place and, and how, how does that fit within where the, you know, the last film was?
2: So yeah, I mean if you got to see Rogue One, Rogue One has a beginning and an end mm-hmm. uh and a pretty definitive end uh for for these roles. So now we are going 5 years before Rogue One, prior to Rogue One, you know. Uh this this series starts 5 years before and this first season uh we're doing like two blocks, two seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. And the first season covers that first year. So this is 5 years before Rogue One and we made uh, cassian in, in in a place called in a planet called Ferex, and that's where he lives. and we're gonna meet the man we we saw in Rogue One way before he understood he was capable of doing that, way before he 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 was uh, you know committed to the cause, way before he believed in change, you know mm-hmm. uh, and um, and we're gonna see not just him but his community. and we're gonna see it's it's the most grounded star wars, I believe. Uh, you know, this one is about the people, you know, it's about the, the it's about the awakening of, of, of a revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, we're going to go deep into why the rebellion, you know, basically. And and we're going to we're going to witness and, and, and the, the reality of not just not just people in his community, but in both sides. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's moments where the empire has complete control. In the galaxy so we're gonna go also and see people working for the empire and, and see what their lives are like you know okay. we have to understand the context uh, for a revolution to erupt you know we have yeah. to understand what oppression means uh you know this, these are marginalized communities where freedom is, 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 is not there for everyone and uh and we're gonna see why why is needed why this movement is needed you know and uh so that's yeah that's yeah, the that really that's does the be, beginning.
1: That really does come through and everything that I've been able to read and see about it is that it does feel sort of markedly darker than a lot of Star Wars projects and and films and shows in general and in a great way it feels almost like it's of course very cinematic but it's also it you can tell that like the stories of the different marginalized people like you said and 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 it feels almost like the beginning of of something big happening in the Star Wars universe, and it's uh, it's. I mean, fans just from, from what I've been reading, fans are like going crazy about it.
2: Well, I think it's it's just that I mean, we are with with Rogue One. We we had the chance to be different. Today, I believe we have the responsibility of being different. You know, and uh, and and that's that's what Andor. Is. Is therefore, you know, it's yeah. supposed to be. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a, a standalone in the in the universe of Star Wars original series. Yeah, uh, you know, this new format that Star Wars is exploring now, this long format, um, and and we are supposed to be different because we also have a beginning and an end yeah the end everyone knows you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and it's been announced that we are just doing these two blogs uh, we are already working on the second season we are already working in in, in that second block and we start shooting pretty soon uh and uh and we can tell you a story from beginning to end it's a story you can join even if you don't care about star wars even yeah. if you don't know what star wars is which i I would be very, very skeptical to believe, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but, it, but if you if you don't know what Star Wars is, this is the way to start. If mm. you know Star Wars, if you've been a fan for years, well, you'll have that that kind of like energy that Rogue One had. That yeah. kind of like uh, homage to to the the genesis of Star Wars in terms of of the cinematic language of the of. Of the aim, you know, and it's yeah. like we we are not doing we're not doing like 12 episodes of something. We yeah. are doing four films, you know? Yeah. We, yeah. We, it really does. We, feel we've like that. that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's kind of incredible. And like what's I think so incredible about your character, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this and that how it almost feels like a more serious, like when we first met Harrison Ford in that first film that ever came out, Star Wars, he was also kind of going on a journey and trying to like get to a place of of of. it was very similar to what Castion's is doing. But Castion is so deeper and it's so there's so much more complexity to him. I want to know, like, what what did you respond to the character? Well, first, like stood out to you, even when you took on the films that like that told you that this character could go different places.
2: I, I would say I would say uh, that it was the freedom, you know, that the the script that I was offered in Rogue One uh, was inviting me to. You know, mm-hmm. it was a chance to build something from scratch. Uh, that film is very much about an event, yeah. But the background of the uh, and the story, I mean, the backstory of the characters is something. Uh, that was there for, for us to, to find, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and now we're telling that story, which is amazing because, I mean, people connected with the character because the film worked and, and because it's interesting uh, to, to go see then how an event happened and why these people got involved, who they are, uh, what, what, what gets you to the point where you're willing to sacrifice everything for a cause. Mm-hmm. so, I think the 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 big difference between this character uh, uh and and any other character that 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 we know uh probably is that he has a really really dark past you know he yeah. says something he says something uh in Rogue One that is important to remember he says I've been part of this fight since I was six years old. So if you, if you imagine what that means, you know, someone that had to give up his childhood in order to join a fight because yeah. he's pushed to. I mean, that tells you a lot about someone, you know, uh, about how many times probably he had to leave everything behind, you know, yeah. uh, with, without like you looking back. I, I think it's, I mean... To me, it is the story of a refugee, you know, mm-hmm. the story of someone that is forced to move, yeah. and that's what I find like echo with the world we live in, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it, it, it's someone that is forced to move, and uh, and that it's someone that that understands belonging in a different way, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and then the the thing the thing we were talking about the accent uh, is important, you know. It, if you think of Row One, no yeah. one shares his accent. Yeah. he's clearly coming from somewhere else, you know, and uh, and finding a family and a and a team that he can belong to, and uh, I just I just think it's uh, it's it's that makes him a very complex character, full of contrast. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's difficult, you know, to to approach this man uh, from the moral standards of good and bad you know right and wrong mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah. i mean it lives so much in the gray areas you know uh, and it's just it's just a man trying to to you know to be the best version of himself you know yeah. and uh and we when we find him we we will find him in a very dark moment in a very selfish moment uh and uh and, and it'll be interesting to see what needs to happen what needs what triggers uh, that in, in, in people where you suddenly realize you could be useful, you know, you understand that you are capable of joining others
1: and, and becoming part of something bigger. That's really exciting. Well, one of the things that I, I knew you produced this project as well, but one of the things I didn't know about you is you've produced so much stuff. You've, I, I had no idea that you had such like a prolific production career of, being behind the scenes in so many projects, like what is it about the sort of development side of some of the projects you've been on that like is so exciting to you, especially this one?
2: Basically, I started I think I started producing first and then uh, directing. And uh, it all comes from, first of all, I would say my background. I I was uh, born in the house of a of, uh, set designer. My father is a set designer. Uh, he works mostly in theater uh, but I grew up watching the whole process you know mm-hmm. I grew up being part of the process from scratch uh, from the moment things are just ideas and, and people gathering and starting to build a team and then I, I learned to enjoy that part of the process and understand also that how much how much uh, is decided there mm-hmm. uh, how much that process matters, and how much that process makes projects different, you know. Yeah. Um, and as an actor, you're always invited to a very important part of the process, but not many times uh, in in a moment where you could actually have an input uh, and also be transformed by the project. You know, yeah. many times as an actor, you you don't even know what project you 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 were part of until you watch, it, mm-hmm. until you sit down and worry you know Uh, and i started wanting to get involved first in the stuff i was acting then in in i realized i enjoyed a lot the process so i I started also wanting to you know you get a lot of attention sometimes uh, in this job i mean sometimes for the wrong reasons you know and yeah and i i just wanted to to get that attention to the to the people that discern that you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to be part of, of other people's projects and uh, and help others to tell their stories and learn from their process, you know. Yeah. And then I think I w- it was when I when my my first uh, yeah, when my son was was born that I decided to direct for mm-hmm. the first time, and that was like yeah, 14 15 years ago. Yeah. And since then, it's been amazing because I, I can only Part of what I love, which is storytelling, but from different positions, you know, yeah. and uh, and sometimes it's needed to step back, work with others, help, but not have to make the choices, you know, mm-hmm. either to just to raise questions, you know, which yeah. is what I did in this project, basically, as a producer, you know, but uh, to raise the questions when when they're needed, you know, and when there's time to actually react yeah. Uh, Because in in Rogue One, I felt like I was thrown into, you know, a a vehicle already moving, you know, and I just had to (laughs) put my seatbelt on and and pretend I understood (laughs) what I was doing. But uh, now I had the time to to change and to transform well with Mm. the project, you know, which is is, uh, the best you can get, I guess.
1: I'll be right back with more from Diego Luna right after this break.
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Well, I only have two more questions for you. And one of them is that, which is, I think one of the more exciting ones is that, I mean, you have kids and of course, it, it must be a trip for your kids to like, see you as an action figure in like, toy stores and stuff and like to see that like your face or your someone's going to be playing you in the Disney parks like someone will be walking around as you in a Disney park which is wild to think about like is that a trip does that because that would mess with my head if I was going to get a turkey leg at Disneyland and I saw someone who looked like me dressed like <laughs> it would throw me I off guess,
2: yeah definitely definitely Uh I try not to think too much about it but I'll tell you I mean, I'll tell you. I, I definitely, first of all, I do think it's crazy. Uh, it's not something you should get used to. Yeah. Uh, if one day you get used to, is it, you're ruined. You know, it's over <laughs> for you. I mean, it's not okay. It's not normal. It's not what it. I mean, you should play with toys that are uh, as far as possible from 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 your father. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh But uh, <laughs> this morning, I left my my my. When I left my son's room, you know, uh, my daughter was asleep, but I, my, my son was awake, and I was traveling for work. So I said, "I'm leaving," and he said, uh, "What about the toy?" You know, because I promised the toy. Yeah. Uh, and I gave him the toy I was given. You know, one of these ones that has the big head. Yeah. You know, and uh, and uh, I gave it to him. I left. I said goodbye I'm, I'll be back a kiss got in yeah. the car and when I was in the car I was like this is so wrong <laughs> like I just gave him a toy to say like well that is here like in a in a weird <laughs> yeah in a weird form but uh but, but you know like here's my toy uh, so you can remember me while I'm away it, it, it felt so weird so so ridiculous also um, anyway i mean it's part of the, the the journey. Yeah. The good th- the good thing is my 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 kids are old now, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I think in in great shape to to take this scene as it is. You know. Yeah. To understand. It it. Yeah. They they also know. They also know what I do. They also know my work in Mexico. They went to see me to the theater recently in a tiny theater in Madrid in front of two hundred and fifty mm-hmm. people, and uh, and saw a very intimate moment of what my work is too. You know, yeah, which is yeah. not not necessarily be on the you know uh, on, on on the toy stores. Like there's a, there's another side of it that, yeah. that they understand and they. So I think I think they'll be fine. Uh, I worry more
1: about me. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, my last question for you is, and I couldn't not speak with you and not bring this up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. We're around the same age, and I distinctly remember as a teenager going to the. the- I worked at a movie theater. It was my first job, and I would always go see free movies. And one of the first movies I saw at that job was Itu Mama Tambien. And so many kids of my, like when I, we were 16, we were watching this movie. It was our first foreign language film, really. And it, it was so impactful. You have such a place in so many people's lives because of that movie, for better or worse. And it's like, how does that feel to sort of have a film like that, that you probably never thought would be influencing some gay kid in St. Louis, Missouri, it, to that we would be remembering it and talking about it 20 some odd years later. Like it's, what does that feel like? It's, I mean, you know, it's especially, it reminds me
2: the, like how things should be, you know, it's, it's when you're expecting to do that film that will become a reference yeah. that will be remembered forever that you do the worst piece of shit you can do. You know, <laughs> it's when your attention is there, you, you're wrong. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's when you're thinking about the story when it matters to you when it hits you deeply uh, and and when it have it makes sense you know uh, for you uh, then someone else out there might connect you know yeah. and uh, we're not, we're not here alone and uh, and our journey is the journey of many so I think it's it's exactly because of that because we were humble because we were just trying to do our best mm-hmm. because we had even though I mean we shot with a great I mean obviously it's, it's the film is the film of a great director and mm-hmm. we had an amazing DOP and everyone was the best uh, we we still struggled in terms of of uh, of the budget we had yeah. and we had to be creative, uh, and ambitious and, and, and solve things fast. Uh, and that keeps you, you know, like in the right place creatively, yeah. I yeah. think. Uh, and, uh, and also it has to do a lot with, with, uh, with the moment, you mm-hmm. know, there's so many amazing films that come out and no one sees because, I don't know. People wasn't there, ready, yeah. aware, whatever, whatever that is. But I think, I think there's some magic around projects like Tu Mama también. That is, it's not just the film we did, but it's the moment it came out, yeah. what it meant yeah. uh, uh, for people, and also the luck we had in the journey. You know, because yeah. we we went to one place, and uh, I, I I always think this way: uh, we went to Venice Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we won, and it was great, and it was an amazing an amazing experience. Then we went to san sebastian and uh, uh I remember we were really happy, really happy and excited and and the film was getting great reviews and attention and awards and everything and then we landed in Toronto, and it was september eleventh oh and uh yeah. and it was like suddenly film meant nothing, no it was like. Mm-hmm what we're doing here means nothing unless the people need the festival to get distracted from this and, 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 and to find some relief and to be able to breathe, you know, and the festival became that it wasn't anymore about the films and, and, and I'm just saying this because whatever film was supposed to premiere that year in Toronto didn't get the, the, the luck we got, you know, So film is also about timing, and uh, and film is just film. Yeah. At the end, life is is what matters. Is the world out there that we are portraying and telling stories about the one that actually matters? Yeah. And sometimes the world is ready for a story, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Sometimes uh, there's other stuff happening that matters more than film, and and we just have to move on and do another one and another one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, I, I remember that. I remember that profoundly because suddenly everything that happened to us wasn't also important. We were stuck in Toronto, couldn't fly back home, yeah. reading the news and feeling part of a community that was taking care of, you know, of themselves and, and, and trying to stick together and, and and understand what was happening also. Yeah. So it was Anyway I don't know why I went there but uh I I mean, I'm glad you <laughs> did because
1: it it really says a lot and it, it's uh it's it, it was a big thing and it was a big moment in my life and so many people's lives so i uh I, and I, and thank you for taking the time to do this I really appreciate it. it's it been a real honor I've been a fan of yours again like I said since E2 mama so it's it's a it's a real honor to be able to talk with you
2: and thank you very much for this uh, uh and uh i I really enjoyed the, the chat it's uh it's a relief to have these ones uh after so many of one after the other and it's about the same uh, this was this was special thank you
1: oh well thank you and i hope you i hope i was able to entertain you in the car cuz that's always the most important thing it, <laughs> those, those rides can be boring <laughs> <laughs> you can watch andor now on disney plus and let me know what you thought of today's episode you can find me at h allen scott on everything and thanks for listening to newsweek's parting shot If you like what you just heard, please, please leave a little rating and review and maybe share it on social media. And when you do it, tag me. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day.